Assalamu alaikum and welcome to a new episode of the Habibis 3 Game Developers Drinking Good Arab Team. My name is Rami Ismail, your host for today. I'm Fauzi Mesmar. And I'm Osama Darius. So, has anybody played any games this week? Well, there is no game. <laughs> it's the game I played. <laughs> I thought actually, it was getting really philosophical for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. So a, there is no game. Is the name of the game? No, it's, it's not a cake uh, reference in any way. It's um, it's uh, that's not the full title of that one, right? It's no, like no. there, there is no game. Wrong dimension. Yes. Yeah. So I was watching, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys caught it. There was the Nintendo Indie Showcase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, earlier this week. So I was watching that. And then they were like, there is no game coming out later today. So I was like, cool, mm. I'll check it out. <laughs> uh, so I grabbed my Switch and, and downloaded it there. Uh, I think it was out on Steam uh, a while before that. Yeah. But yeah, um, I, I just wanted to try it out on the Switch. And, and you could tell like, it's really like... Um, a PC game because the controls, look, the, the analog sticks, they just move, move a cursor on the screen <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to tap on stuff. It's uh, So I guess the, the easiest way to say what, what type of game is, this is an adventure game. Um, it's a tongue-in-cheek adventure game that is constantly, um, that is self-aware that it is a game. It starts off as like some kind of desktop simulator kind of game in which like you're interacting with the game directly and the game is speaking back to you. And then the more you go through the game, the more different dimensions you would see as it uh, plays homage to a lot of different genres of video games. It's like at some point, like there are some of the puzzles in which like you feel like you're part of the Monkey Island world. Um, There were parts where it felt like like a Zelda game. There were parts where I was solving logos on the title screen. Like the title screen, I was just, you know, like messing around with the logo. (laughs) And then like at some point, like grabbed the letter T and the letter T became a screwdriver and ended up like unscrewing some stuff until I found a key. And then I used the key to to traverse back to the language select screen. And Hmm. there I like unhooked the the French flag. (laughs) and then, like, took that back to another screen to use it in something else. It's just very wacky. Uh, constantly right. breaks the fourth uh, the fourth wall. That game just genuinely does It's not breaking the fourth wall. They just never built a fourth, <laughs> fourth wall. Like, so I'm curious. Is there, like, a genre that ties it all together? Or does it really feel like you're just jumping from one different type of game to the next? This is why I feel like it's, a, it's an adventure game. Because a lot of what you do is that... Um, there is a mist-like puzzle presented to you on the screen, and then um, you interact with what's on screen to collect items, and then you combine those items with what's on screen to progress to hmm. get more screens. So it, when I describe it like that, it sounds exactly like an adventure game, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the presentation can sometimes screw you into thinking that it's not. You know, it reminds me a lot of games like, I don't know, there was this indie game called Pony Island, do you guys ever play that? <laughs> yeah. Boy, yeah. <laughs> Island was really cool. It was also like one of those video games that's perfectly aware that it's a video game and kept on like reminding you like, yo, I'm a video game. I'm going to, you know, uh, like mess around with you in, in a way that makes you think that your computer is getting broken or something like that. <laughs> this is kind of like that, maybe not as psychedelic. <laughs> I think I would place it in the extension of the Stanley Parable. You know, it's oh, like because yeah. it also it also kind of uses a narrator. Like the game is talking to you through a voice, yeah. and there, 
like Fuzzy is saying, it's very playful. It's very like it messes with your expectations. It like it's just it's very well done. It's very clever. It it winks at you all the time. Yeah, very creative. Mm-hmm. You can see like you can see the developers, you know, kind of like high fiving you every now and then. Right. <laughs> uh, you can see like the you know like the, the the developer humor coming in behind that and go like, oh, you thought I'm gonna do this, haha, <laughs> and then like yep. you have a laugh about it together, <laughs> kind right. of thing. Um, voiceovers are really well made. The graphics are quite charming. Uh, like the the homage that they do to other games, I think is very um, tastefully done. It's right. not like internet humor. Hmm. So, yeah, it makes it more it's, timeless. It's a, it's a exactly. Yeah, uh, it's a good point. It's a, like an interesting. Um, it's it's uh, also longer than I thought. I think it, it needed yeah. like five hours or six hours to finish it. So yeah, there's there's more game in it than I initially thought. I think I think it was originally based on a on a game jam game because it was made by one guy, a French guy. Uh-huh. Uh Pascal, I think. He goes he goes by uh um uh, draw me a pixel. That's super cool. And I'm happy like you know, they got an uh a, a good spotlight on the indie indie showcase. Like I got the game because of it, so it's cool what Nintendo are doing in terms of like, you know, spreading the spreading the love with the uh, with the indies. Yeah, it's nice that, you know, at this point Microsoft and Nintendo are pretty trying. I hope <laughs> I hope Sony comes back to it because they were for such a long time they were the indie platform. But yeah, it's yeah. cyclical. Uh, it seems to come and go because Nintendo used right. to be the really unfriendly to to indie platform right. at some point. I mean, yeah. just non-existence on it. Like, exactly. Like just, there was no way to talk to them. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, I like I like the visibility they give. I hope uh, they'll continue to improve and and increase their support for independent development, especially as Sony seems faded a little bit. But mm-hmm. inshallah. Inshallah, we'll see. Okay, so I played a game. Uh, the game that I played is called Trials of Fire. It's a deck builder okay. slash uh, strat- like strategy game. Uh, you know, strategic combat. It's kind of similar to XCOM. Um, it's both at the same time. And those are two genres that I absolutely love. Like I put in a ridiculous amount of time in, in games like uh, Slay the Spire. And same for XCOM. So, like, when you merge these two t- things together, you better believe I'm going to play your game. <laughs> There's no way <laughs> I'm not going to try it. Uh, so, the verdict. Uh, I liked it. I, I thought the game was really good. The combat part itself works well. It's a hex grid. Um, you move these little tokens around in the hex grid, and you have abilities from your cards, uh, either movement abilities or combat abilities, either uh, ranged or... Um, or melee. There are a few other things that can happen uh, other than like the basics of use a card and a thing happens. Not too many. Like for example, if you have an ally next to an enemy uh, token, and you do a melee attack that's not a ranged attack, so like a, a yeah non ranged attack, they will also attack for one damage. So you could kind of surround the unit and get a little bit of extra points of damage out of it. Um, a few other things like that. You still have like an energy meter, so some cards cost like one or two or three, um, and you're able to uh, discard cards to gain a resource. So I like that because there's no waste. So is it is it. Am I looking at this as sort of like a board game deck builder? Yeah, it's like 
a board game. It's it's kind of an adventure game because you actually have like a, a a map that you're navigating, and then you go to points of interest or you encounter enemies, and then that goes into the combat. You resolve the combat and you go back to the the. But but the combat is sort of like you have cards and you put them on a. Do you put them on a board? Do no. you just play them? What what, so, what happens? So you have like three. Like you start off with three characters, you have three tokens that are on the board, and each has a the mini deck of cards between three and four cards that you're mm-hmm. able to use, and then you you draw another, you fill your hand again with four at the end of each turn. So those cards that you draw, you're able to play your turn with it. You play all your turn, like for all three characters, and then the the, the opponent has a turn to do the same with their tokens that are on the board. So the tokens represent the characters. Those are that's the. Those are the character right. tokens, yeah. Um, okay. And when you wipe out the other team, you win. The, you win the combat, or if you get wiped out, you lose a combat. So the instead of like picking from like you know next time when you're picking your actions and you have action points here, your your actions are represented by these cards that you draw and discard, and it's a deck builder because the, you have a small deck of like let's say twelve cards, so you know it cycles again. So it really is both games. It really is a uh, right. tactical like a strategic combat game, and it's an and it's it's a deck builder and it's like this global it's actually the theme is really nice you the game is a book that opens up so it's like you're telling a story and the encounters that you get are all narrative they're like you know they're you can you can choose to skip reading and just say like you know read what okay what do i do in this in this case and uh, but the actual the writing is pretty good um so wait wait one, one, one more question then yes because now, now now i just need to know so you have a deck builder you have a board game which yes. is a tactical game yes the, these tokens these are characters you say yes please tell me they also have like full inventory and like stuff like that yeah like, Dude, there's oh a- my god they just smashed everything together <laughs> yes 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 okay so okay. this this brings me to to my um Com- a complaint about the game. Uh, I, I this is under the disclaimer that I'm actually really enjoying it. By the way, uh, one thing is <laughs> some starts like my complaint. They smashed everything together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little a little too much. That's my, mm-hmm. my main one. Is that even though I love all these things, in the end, this is not the most refined version of this game that could have they could have had. There's a little excess. There's a few th- systems that they could have done without. Um, like for example, you the while you're going through traversing the 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 map, you get fatigued, you get tired, and then you have to rest. And at the campsite, mm-hmm. that's when you're able to upgrade your characters. But if you don't rest for a certain amount of time, then um, you get these cards that are added to your deck, fatigue cards, and when you draw them, they don't do anything. And I, I get that, right? But that happens like right away. It's not fun. It kind of ruins the flow of the game where I just want to go to a place and fight and build my deck and let bad things happen to me based on my decisions. I don't really, I didn't really see the point of having the uh, fatigue system. It didn't bring anything good. It didn't really like it slowed down the game needlessly. I didn't see it. I didn't see a point to it. Uh, mm-hmm. I get it. Like it, it fits with the adventures. It, you they wanted you to camp, and I think the purpose was so that you don't uh, uh, stop and upgrade your characters after each combat. I think it would have been okay to stop and upgrade your character after each combat. That's part of the excitement of the game, right? Um, right. Why do I need to camp at each point? Anyway, it's a balancing you, decision you, at the end. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Do you feel that maybe there was another mechanic that sort of like pushed for that mechanic that they cut? 
Yeah, it, it, it feels like that kind of thing, you know, where it's like sort of a it's something possible. that stayed behind. It's yeah. possible. It's also it could have been just an idea that they just like implemented and then nobody questioned it, which happens a lot. Uh, right. And it's completely fair. Like it's not we're, we're it only happens. human. Yeah, it happens. You're like, hey, this would be cool. You put it in and nobody was is like, yeah, but you know, we never stopped. To think, to, to, to think if we should, you know, it's just if we could, right. that kind of thing. Uh, the other part is you're picking up equipment and the qu- equipment translate to cards. And it's like this other layer of obfuscation that I don't think was absolutely needed either. Like I'm picking up a sword, but I have to hover over the sword. And when I hover over the sword, it tells me what three cards this sword represent to my character. The UI was a little confusing, but even that, was that really necessary? Why why can't I just pick up a card? I get it. They want to make you feel like you're living this like adventure and the medieval theme is strong in it and they wanted to lean into it. Uh, but on uh, personally, I thought that was another right. layer of things to try to understand in a game that already has so many layers. Um, it took me a little while to get used to that. But that's it. These are small gripes. Like the game is actually solid. I enjoyed every run. It's difficult, even like the 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 first two campaigns that were supposed to be the easy campaigns. Uh, I I died a couple of times and I had to restart them over. They weren't that easy. Uh, maybe well, I, I didn't understand anything. Uh, something like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's something I didn't maybe, understand. Maybe but... I didn't understand anything. <laughs> I meant so. Uh, maybe there's something about it fundamentally that I that I didn't get. I doubt it because like I I still right. did everything and I was winning. Uh, but there were like some some moments where I was like, okay, this is a difficulty spike. So it could have been a balancing issue. Uh, disclaimer: I played the game. I started playing the game when it was in early access. Uh, it just mm-hmm. left early access last week, and I continued playing it after that. And I didn't really feel that big of a difference in in, in balance. So I don't think it was the fact that it was an early access before. And it, I mean, a, right. a week doesn't make that big of a difference. I don't think. But, uh, but it's yeah. it's good now. It, yeah, I liked it. I recommend it heavily. Uh, if you like those type of games, just be careful. Uh, sorry, just be warned that it's a cognitive load at the beginning. There's a lot. There's a lot to take in. Yeah. Right. Nice. What about you, Rami? So I uh, I finished Outriders. Um, I finished Outriders, and I think I think my opinion about Outriders is kind of like my how it's been over the past three weeks in this show, where it's like the first week I was like, eh. Mm, okay yeah i guess <laughs> the second week was like wow this is the greatest thing <laughs> that has ever been made and now i'm back to like mm, yeah i guess <laughs> um it definitely it definitely peaks in the middle and i think there's a there's a giant end game that you can play but i'm i kind of lost interest in the game uh over over the over the final part of it uh still very good game still fully recommend it the narrative is abysmal but yes. everything else is great so what's um, i'm curious about the peak in the middle what was it's so good in the middle that made it better than the beginning and the end. So the beginning, you're not strong. You, you don't have agency, right? You're just playing a shooter. You're getting loot. You're yeah. getting mods. And you just slot whatever is better in, right? Yeah. And this is a common thing with, with looter games. It's like at the start, you just grab higher numbers. Yes. Then near the middle, you start to unlock these mods that are interesting. And there's sort of like a, a build crafting, right? So you kind of look at your build. You kind of look at the opportunities you have. And you're still sort of this super powerful being that just kind of like wrecks stuff. Mm-hmm. Then towards the end of the game, they start implementing a lot of enemies that counter you very well and that um, that are relatively strong, right? That can be really powerful um, and that need very specific patterns to defeat them. Mm-hmm. And 
I get that that is technically how flow theory works, but also I don't like flow theory. <laughs> uh, like, I just really wanted to go through a giant room just wrecking everything. Mm -hmm. And near the end, it was more like, I spent more time near the end in cover than I did at any other point in the game, mm -hmm. which What's feels like the opposite of what I should be doing. What's the end game like, Rami? You said that there's a potentially a big end game there. So they have this thing called expeditions, which is sort of like uh, you have these different quests that you can do with friends, and there are these bigger, these bigger encounters that you can level up and get better gear in, and then ultimately you unlock the final fight of the game. I wasn't a fan of the story. I thought the last part of the story, the last act of the story, was both boring and really regrettable in many ways. Mm -hmm. Just not, not fun, not pleasant. Not I just didn't like it. Uh, so. Outriders. So then it was time to find new games. So I installed um, um, Call of Duty uh, Black Ops Cold. They put too many words behind <laughs> each other. I'm just like, where are we now? Like, Cod, Cod Blobs was already too many letters, but Cod Blobs Cold War? Like, are we ready? Like, Season two. Let's go Cold War. <laughs> so I, I, the way I play Call of Duty is very much campaign. I'm a campaign player. I don't care about the multiplayer at all. Uh, I know that's different. Yeah, you play, I'm, you play I'm absolutely. I'm the opposite. I've been playing Cold War for like the last two, three months. It's a game that I play with my brothers and sisters. So we really, really, really love nice. playing it. I cannot stomach the campaign of Call of Duty games. I just, it's like, right. it's always like, it's, you know, there's a room you have to breach and then you, you, you clear everything out. Then you go to the next room and breach. And that formula, I used to love it. Like, 20 years ago or right. whatever and now i'm just i'm completely over it i'm and yet i'm also like 20 years younger than you right <laughs> is that wow you aged me big time i think it's closer <laughs> to 10 which is still a lot yeah. you didn't have to push that <laughs> but like i'm i'm hooked to that multiplayer like the call of duty uh it's one of my comfort games as i'm uh, there's the thing we spoke about before you know the comfort food games the games that when you're really right. tired um you can i i, I play out call of duty on automatic i could be listening to something else talking to someone else and i'm still like getting up like kill streaks and and score streaks right. and whatnot. for for me call of duty is purely campaign I've, I've never played call of duty multiplayer and i the thing i like about the campaign is that about call of duty campaigns is that they're usually like 90% predictable and then 10% just like yeah tech pieces like te yeah. like you know technological they're technological bragging <laughs> you you play them you're like okay listen you didn't have to go this extra mm -hmm. right like it wasn't it wasn't needed uh, i i will never forget call of duty infinite warfare uh, which is one of my favorites even if just because we weren't shooting brown people for most of the game yeah um in um in uh, call of duty infinite warfare there's a sequence at the start where you start on the ground in geneva where giant spaceships are crashing in the city as you're running around and then you get in a tiny space fighter and you go into space do a dogfight battle land on a supercarrier and then walk through the supercarrier to the mission select screen area wow and it's just basically it's it feels seamless. I think that's um, that was at around the point that I stopped playing the campaigns. But like I still remember the the set pieces that you're talking about in different Call of Duties, like right. uh, the ghillie suit or the 
the helicopter crash where you actually end up dying in Modern Warfare 2 or whatever. Right. Like those, those are like impressive and, and narratively impressive too. But yeah, you're right. The rest yeah. of the game is kind of predictable, right? Right. I mean, and, and that's kind of it. Like it's, I sit back, I play the campaign. It'll take me six-ish hours. I will probably drop the difficulty to recruit for two sections that are too difficult and then just put it back <laughs> at regular for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. So after that, I started looking for new stuff because I'm not going to be spending a lot of time in Call of Duty. And my God, has it been a good week for video games. Hmm. Um, okay. I Wait, did you, finish, had, did you finish Civil War? Uh, no, I didn't. I, oh, sorry, Cold War. <laughs> I just know that probably tonight I'm going to finish it because uh, oh. it's, it's a six-hour game, so it, it, it won't take... It probably is a six-hour game, so it won't take very long. Yeah, also, yeah. game is big. It's way too big. Yeah, it has like uh, sections. There's like a zombie mode, and then there's a multiplayer. Even if you just download the campaign, I had to like basically like add seven hard drives to my PS5 yeah. to load that game. Like I put extra energy in the back. I, I booted up a generator. There's a solar farm on my roof now. Like I don't know what's happening. <laughs> it's a really interesting, um, interesting thing for AAA development right now. Size on disc is becoming an issue. Oh, yeah. you know, like, right. uh, there used to be a time in, in game development in which like we, our, our technical constraints was like we can't have textures this big or like we can't have these many uh, polygons on screen or all of that stuff but as like you know um, hardware advanced now you can have all of these things <laughs> now we yeah. just don't have enough memory to store these things on device yeah and a right. lot of live games they have the added uh, problem of having like dead data that they're not be- even being used anymore like Fortnite just did yeah. an update uh, a few months ago like two months ago where they removed something like 20 gigs from the installer right it's something huge i don't remember the exact uh, yeah. number but the installer shrunk by a considerable size presumably because there was a lot of just unused data like things that they didn't right. need anymore so yeah i'm 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 exploring what i'm going to play after call of duty because after i'm done it's instantly getting deleted from my playstation so i can have more than <laughs> one game on it so i just started looking around a bunch of Good, weird stuff came around on Twitter. A lot of Kickstarter happened. Dave Oshry tweeted Ski Sniper, which is really silly. You remember the Sniper, what are they called? The Sniper games? Sniper, uh, sniper Elite, I think is what yes, you're saying. Sniper about. Elite, yes. Yeah. Anyway, Ski Sniper is basically that, but you're shooting people that are doing ski jumping. <laughs> <laughs> that's it it is literally the silliest thing i've ever seen but it's also very amusing it reminds me of flash games and it makes me very happy uh, it has the same slow motion it has the like skeleton camera it has all that it's just you're for some reason just <laughs> shooting people wait some <laughs> reason they don't even explain why it's just like go shoot the skiers oh the, it's basically like do you think this could be hard right of course they're moving targets Right. So would it be hard to shoot somebody who was ski jumping, I think, is probably how it how it happened. What a great pitch. <laughs> well, I mean, everything about this game, like from the, like I'm looking at the logo to the graphics, it, it feels like somebody's just taking like is joking around. <laughs> that is one hundred that is one hundred percent what happened. I think I think the developer just looked at at Sniper Elite and went like, but what if <laughs> <laughs> what if uh, or maybe they just have like a lifelong obsession of hatred against ski jumpers like maybe you know i don't know what it is like there's something something made this happen um then uh, uh, beyond that uh i booted flight simulator back up because they updated it with the netherlands belgium luxembourg and france so i flew around a bit more that 
is always good. It always relaxes me. I keep playing that game week after week. Hmm. Um, Forgotten Fields came out, uh, which was a Kickstarter that I had been I backed like months ago, and it's a cozy. I think the pitch is a cozy narrative game about nostalgia and the passage of time. A writer returns to his um, the home he grew up in before it's sold. So it's a very personal, very like mm-hmm. uh, beautiful style, and it it feels very genuine. Uh, and from my chats with the developer, it also seems like uh, it's it's a game that matters. Then there was um, uh, I, I obviously played through a good looking home cooking, which you recommended last week. Yes. Osama. What do you think? <laughs> what a what a wonderful I what know. a wonderful so wonderful. It was so it, good. It made me very happy. Me too. Yeah. I, I was on a high after playing that game. It was surprisingly good, and I was expecting it to be good. So, like, for it to be even better than the right, even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went in with high expectations and came out happy. Yeah. And then uh, obviously Fez came out again. Fez yeah, on Nintendo yeah. Switch. Yep. <laughs> I saw um, that on the on the indie showcase as well. I was like, so what I was very what happy. Year to is that. this? I confess, I've never beat Fez. This might be my chance to beat it. I've played it. Go I, do it. I never beat Go it. Go do it. It's really hard. Also, what, what does it mean to beat Fez as well? You can finish it in five hours or so. Yeah, Fez, that's, that's Fez beats you. Yeah, Fez beats you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and then there was all the Kickstarters. So um, um, Whisker Squadron, which is Star Fox, but with cats. Yep, I backed that. It looks really <laughs> right. cool. <laughs> um, Waste Knots, which is a collectible co-op- cooperative card crawler battler. Waste Knots? Like an astronaut? Waste Knots, yeah. But okay. then Waste instead of Astronaut. Huh. Um, by Raspberry Games is on Kickstarter right now, which is really good. On Early Access, I downloaded uh, Nova Mundi. Uh, it's, um, it's a strategy simulation game that I played a little of. I've been talking to the developers and it, it's in Early Access now. Uh, it's a game where you play the indigenous Muisca people and you fight the Spanish invasion. Hmm. You fight the colonists, which is just a perspective I've seen so rarely in games. Oh, absolutely. That I wanted to give it a go. Um, so that that it's it's fun. It's it's more it's more in depth than I like my games frequently. But I think a lot of people will get a lot of enjoyment out of this one. Then what else did I? I mean, uh, yeah. Um, I think Venba, if you've been following that, yeah. the game about uh, the narrative cooking game about the Indian mom, yeah. uh, that has wish list now. So I clicked wish list so hard that I think I broke my mouse. <laughs> um, it looks so good. It looks so. It looks I, I get angry watching it. I just I shouldn't watch these trailers while Ramadan I is know. happening. <laughs> Rami, I feel for my for our listeners, I feel like that we should have given them like a heads up to go grab a pen and pencil <laughs> to, start, yeah. to start to write down his recommendations. I can't keep this up. This is my problem. Every 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 time I go like I've played no games, I've played like seventy five <laughs> different things or like checked out seventy things, and <laughs> I can't keep up. I'm gonna need to listen to the episode again to remember all the good games you talk about. So I could play some of them. And then for me, obviously, one of the most exciting ones is uh, Spirit Swap, which is on Kickstarter now. Mm, uh, I think last week, last week we also had Unbeatable going up on Kickstarter, which was uh, also beautiful. Uh, but Spirit Swap is is a big one for me. It's it's a game that is inspired by the Lebanese roots of the developers and uh, Black culture, and uh, it is a lo-fi beats to match three two hmm. game. And it is just so lovely. They have a demo on the Kickstarter now. And uh, it's just really lovely to see, you know, like 
the Lebanese roots of of a lot of a lot of the team are, are clearly visible in that game without being the thing that the game necessarily is about. I, it's just there. It's so natural. It's so awesome. genuine. It's gorgeous um, too. I love the art. It's beautiful. Yeah, really beautiful. It's beautiful. Looking. I'm definitely um, proud of this. Yeah, they they have a demo up which you should check out. They had a sixty two thousand euro goal. They they smashed it in two days. They have twenty four days left. It's so worth backing. There's a demo up now, and just it was so lovely to see to see the community rally behind that game. They've they've done such a good job of like getting people to support the game, and it 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 felt heart. It's that type of heartwarming. I don't know. It's that type of heartwarming that uh, I feel I I see off like. It, even that felt lovely. <laughs> even that felt just very, like you know, it's like when 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 people when people need something and they get that community behind them and they and everybody pushes to get them over the hill. That's a very um, Middle Eastern thing for like um, people to see something uh, going on or somebody in need of help, and then um, everybody in the street will come over and help out and something like that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, like, I can't say whether this game got pushed over the line by Middle Eastern people, but yeah, it feels Middle Eastern, right? Like because I yeah. that I I have that memory. I mean, everybody. I don't know if that's true, but I feel like everybody has the experience of a car breaking down in the Middle East. At yes, some point. that was actually <laughs> so. the example I was just about to bring up. Like the the car breaking down, and then all of a sudden you have uh, forty uncles <laughs> and, and fathers <laughs> showing up, telling you what to do, opening up the hood, looking at all the things, checking the thing for you. It's and and having like and if they can't figure it out, someone's already on the call, calling a pickup truck or or what have you, promising you that this person will take care of you. That that's the kind of experience that uh, that you get um, here. It's I mean, th- or just like fifty five people pushing your car. <laughs> that, that was it for me. In Egypt, in Egypt, the problem was never that the car was broken; it's just that it wasn't starting. Uh, so you just needed some speed, and you get like seven kids that you would never see again in your life, and like had these. Yeah, yeah. My car in Jordan. Um, was a terrible car uh, uh, it had it had this uh, i don't know i don't know what 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 was wrong with this car many mechanics looked at it and many uncles as as Osama said <laughs> you know stood at the side of the road they, they all had their own diagnosis of what could possibly go wrong <laughs> they were all wrong uh, oh, my oh, car no. had this thing that whenever it rained it just completely stopped what um, yeah, it would just like stop in the middle of the road. Like if a little bit of rain, like a splash of water would make it stop. And I bet you now, if there's like Middle Eastern people listening to this. Yeah, they're like, I know what it is. Like, well, of course <laughs> it's that. I'll, I'll hear but, you but tell also, you, you're also wrong. Because we're right, exactly. it, that. <laughs> it is true. The... the 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 false expertise is one of my favorite things about that, where everybody just stands next to you and they go, it's, it's obviously that. It's, <laughs> it's obviously never that. that. It's, never that. <laughs> it's never that. And then they're like, oh, then I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it seems wrong. Like, you should, did you sure, are you sure you checked it well? Yeah, it's are not just sure? with cars. It's with, like, medical reasons, too. Everyone's a it's doctor. But I think, like, because of that car, I got, like, I got kind of almost reliant on like the good Samaritans, uh, like like Arabs being good Samaritans. Yeah. yeah. Cause, right. Like, 
you know, like I'll be driving home from work or whatever and I go like, oh God, please. Oh no, I see raindrops starting coming on the windshield. And I go like, oh no, this is going to happen. And then the car stops in the middle of the road and then like I'm mm-hmm. out and I'm trying to push the car and then 40 people show out of nowhere because the street was empty <laughs> as yes. far as I knew. And then all of a sudden like 40 people come out of nowhere and then they're all pushing they push the car on the side and we're like, oh, alhamdulillah, salam, I hope you're fine. Everything's okay. okay. So what's wrong with the car? Like, yeah, when it rains, this happened. Oh, it's definitely blah. And then, yeah. and then like, Let me pop that hood. Let me have a look. And then 30 people are having a look at my hood and like they all try to fix it. And then they all go and like, well, good luck. And then, <laughs> one person will give me a ride because that's also a thing. Like, you know, this person that I don't know goes like, all right, well, it's too wet here. Let me take you, uh, let me drive you home. And I'll yeah. be on the other side of town. And that person would go completely out of their way yep. to, to drop me off home. And that happened so many times. <laughs> it's right. I hate that car so much. Oh, no. <laughs> was it was it also one of those cars that was a hand-me-down from a car that was already no longer legal to drive in <laughs> Europe or America? Because <laughs> there were a lot of cars like that. In, in Egypt, you would see cars with Dutch license plates with just an Egyptian license plate mount, mounted over it. <laughs> but it was like this style of license plate that went out of out of commission in the 70s. Yeah. You'd be like, how is, how is this car still functioning? Why is the smog that's coming out of it like just pure black? Yes. And on the topic of, of cars, and I know we're, we're not exactly on the topic of cars, but still, in Iraq during the embargo, I saw the most extreme sense of uh, resourcefulness that I've ever seen before. Right. Because embargo meant no cars were coming in and no cars were going out. So therefore, no cars are being put in a dumpster. Like no cars are, 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 are uh, being condemned. At that point, if your car is not running, they're going to find an oil drum or something and like take a hammer to it and make whatever part you're missing. The ingenuity that existed at that time, right. like the, the cars were all salvageable. And that's, yeah, I, I, sorry. I just, I know it's an aside, but I just thought it was a funny thought because I, mean, I saw cars from the 1960s. My uncle had a car from the 1960s and uh, uh, like it was running. And if anything right. went wrong, they, they, they made it work. But- but I think that that kind of, I mean, in a way, it's kind of the same topic, right? It's yeah. like people try to help out with, because I think it comes from having to work with the means you have, yes, right? Exactly. Like the, the A lot of the Middle Eastern and Arab cultures are not necessarily rich countries. They're countries that went through a lot. They've had history. They've been exploited. They've been under colonialism. They had to create a, a system of interdependence on each other, Absolutely. right? Like mm-hmm. everybody helped where they can help so that everybody can go on with their day. But it's not just cars. It's not just traffic. It's in it's in everything, right? Like my grandma, she was old. Tata was like 70-something. And in the neighborhood, she could just sit on the balcony and yell downstairs and somebody would go get her groceries, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And she would, have this little, she would have this little basket with a, with a rope. Mm-hmm. And she would lower the rope with the basket from her balcony and they would put the groceries in there and she would lift it up, yeah. right? Yeah, my uh, dad would never be able to just carry the groceries home. Like if my dad or mom just like bought something from the supermarket and on their way home, the kids from the neighborhood, they will all just come running and mm-hmm. like they, they pick up the bags to bring it up to our place. That's amazing. Yeah, like, um, like if they see like, you know, an elderly, like uh, uh, if I see like um, uh, an old dude that I don't know, like kind of like uh, carrying stuff and I go like, I'm going to immediately go like, uh, hey, Ammo, can I help you? 
you know, like how can I carry the stuff for you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. if, like somebody, like if, like even if it's not, not necessarily an old man, something like a dude, you know, trying to put a couch onto his car because, <laughs> uh, or like trying to like <laughs> uh, fit something that's not supposed to fit on their car, like or like they're obviously <laughs> carrying a heavy load, that they're having a hard time with it. Um, mm-hmm. um, I will. Uh, come and come out and help, and many will. Yes, <laughs> this right. is what I'm actually I this funny story. I, mean, I got locked out of my car. Did I tell you that I hate that car? And then um, I'm like, I'm trying to fix it. Like it was me and my friend, and we're trying like to try to find a way to get the door open. And then like f- five minutes later, there's twelve people going like they're surrounding us in the car. I was like, what's going on in all of this? And like one person goes like, oh, so this is your car and you can't go in all of this? Sure, no problem. He went away, came back with like a wire and then like did some things. Three, two, one, boom, open the door. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, and like, you know, like, and like uh, we had to yell at three other people that were calling their cousins who was also a locksmith or something. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, guys, no need, no need. We got this. <laughs> it's a thing where everybody knows somebody who knows somebody. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's the other thing that I really like because it, the helpfulness is not like, and, and it's true. That's from kids, from being a kid, right? Like there's a, there's a pride in helping people, but also it's a, it's an, it's automated. It's not something you think about. There's not really a decision you make as a mm-hmm. kid either. It's just, no. You see that somebody is in need and you've seen everybody always help people in need. So you, you help. Exactly. That, it becomes part of the culture. And that's why in other places it doesn't necessarily happen as often. Uh, we, we like I, I got in trouble in, in the Western world for trying yeah. to help sometimes. Like I was in an airport and somebody was having a problem with their luggage. Well, maybe a bearded Arab in an airport telling you that they will help you. <laughs> you know, yes. okay. But, Yanni, the, 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 just trying to help is not as, it feels less natural here. It feels like there's sort of like an expectation of, you know, uh, getting a reward or, or, Literally, or being. Like here in, in, in Montreal, when it snows, it snows heavy. And I make it a point whenever I see someone who's stuck in snow trying to get their car out or someone older who's who's shoveling, like I'll, I'll do my part. Like I'll go and I'll try to help them, right? right? You know how many times people will be like, no, no, it's okay. I don't need any help because I think they're just thinking I want to ask for something afterwards. Like, right. And I'm like, I insist mm. one time. I'll insist one time. And sometimes they'll back down. I'll be like, no, no, I just want to help. I swear. They let me help at the end. And then they like uncomfortable, like for them, it's uncomfortable. Like they don't know how right. to, to to say thank you from that situation. They're just not used to it. It happens way more often than you'd expect. It's right. Yeah. And I, I, I get it. It's just a different culture. I'm not like calling anyone out or anything. No, exactly. Yeah. But it's, it's just not how the world works. It's not. It, um, it, I think it, it was like, you know, the, it it came the clearest and like the most effective like during uh, the more difficult times. So like mm-hmm. for example, when when wars are happening and there's a lot of refugees like moving into town, like in Jordan, for example, um, there were like people posting signs on like uh, lampposts everywhere, going like, uh, "I have two extra rooms in my house for anybody who needs a home." Wow. Or like uh, people would like. Uh, they would put uh, like shops. They will have fridges outside of their uh, their stores, and uh, they will have like a sign on the fridge that goes like, "This is food for people who need it. Take what you need and leave the rest for others." Right. right. Um, they were, like, and it would uh, work that way, right? Like nobody yeah, would just empty a place like that. Yeah. That's people would do it that way. 
Yeah, they were like um, Jordanian um, like supermarket owners and like small business owners. They will hang um, um, like you know uh, a signs. The, the sign is like basically a piece of paper with handwriting on it. it says like I uh, need uh, help needed to work in this supermarket, preferably to hire Syrians mm-hmm. or Iraqis right. or whatever the war was at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, because like we've had both of these kind of situations happen in which like, you know, if you're in town and you're looking for a job, I prefer to hire those people that are now in need for a job. Right. And Jordan yeah. was, in, because it was in close proximity, you were in a lot of positions to, to be able to help uh, refugees, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, like you're, you're yeah, close yeah. to both Syria and Iraq. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, think, I think we took more, more, more Syrian refugees in Jordan than all of the EU at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that 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 part is really well to me. Just yeah. to to look at the world and just be like, no, that we can we can handle this. Like the the world can handle the amount of refugees that is that is out there. We just all need to be one to be helpful. And I think there's a there's a it, it's it, maybe part of it is that you know in the Arab world we still have somewhat similar cultures, so people feel closer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we don't have the stereotypes about Arabs. Uh, and about Muslim people, um, yeah. but the, the it's it's so strange to me see, to see that whole discussion, knowing that you know it's not like if I'm in the Netherlands and something bad happens, everybody keeps walking, yeah. right? But people people do the minimum to make sure you're okay, mm-hmm. right? That's what I'm used to in the Western world. People do the minimum to make sure you're okay. You fall, people stop and they go like, "Are you okay?" And you go like, "Yeah," and they're like, "Okay," yeah, and they keep walking, right? Yeah. On the airport, you fall. Like somebody like sits next to you, they bring like some, they bring them like, they, they yell at somebody to bring something to like look at the wound. Yeah. You know, like they, Someone brings if, you water out of nowhere. Right. Like if somebody asks, if somebody asks me after I fall in the Netherlands, if I'm okay, I just go like, yeah. Even though my leg might be like in seven pieces and like, you know, I'll be like, yeah, because I don't want to bother anybody. Well, in the Arab world, I'd probably just be like, do I look okay? <laughs> not, not, not okay. My leg, my leg shouldn't look like that. Um, I think that it's it's a weird different effect. Uh, it's it's a difference of expectation. Like in the airport, you expect to be helped, and people expect to be helpful, mm-hmm. and that that and including going very far out of their way. That's true. I will never forget. Just like I think our car broke down on a hill, uphill, and the the group of Egyptians that came to push the car. <laughs> <laughs> It's like if this car rolls backwards, you're under it, right? They're like, "No, it's fine. We're strong." It's like, "Oh." Man, man, I was like, I had a, I had a, a fridge delivered to my place once, and I was like, "I need to figure out how to get this thing all the way to my my house," which was like on the fourth floor. The dude just left it on the sidewalk and left. Okay. And I'm like, you know, trying to figure out what happened, and then like, you know, one of those uh, one called construction worker was moving by, us, and I was like, I was like, "Do you need help getting this up there?" I was like, "Yeah." And I, and I thought he's gonna like call his friends or something, and it did. Like he's he's shorter than I am. He goes ahead and like lifts the whole thing on his back. What? And, run, <laughs> and 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 runs up four staircases, <laughs> and then just goes like, um, "Can I pay you something?" Or like, "Oh, like no, no, I just wanted to help you out. You looked like you're in trouble." And then he left to go have lunch or something. <laughs> What is this, this is superhero? A, I, just, I just read the strongest man alive. <laughs> I just carried my fridge <laughs> to the <Yeah>. fourth floor. <laughs> wow. But like, okay, let's be honest. There's a lot of people in the Arab world that have very specific skills that are really only useful if you help. 
people out. Hmm. I don't know what like but people that can people that can carry a fridge alone or like <laughs> people that can somehow Tetris an entire living room onto like a tiny car. <laughs> yes. Right? Like I don't know how to yes. turn people that yeah. <laughs> people that like help like unlocking cars, people yeah. that help getting balls out of like like ditches, people that help with like animals that are wounded. Every time you come across somebody you're like I don't know who who can help with this. Somebody shows up and they're like, actually, the exact skill I have is I know exactly how to climb power poles and like how to how to undo electricity. I studied this. Don't worry. I got you. As, as, as you like as you're counting these things, I started to think about situations, and there was always somebody that shows up, like putting a tent. I'm like, what am I supposed to do now? A dude shows up, out of and I'm like, I'm in a forest. Where did this guy come from? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can help you put up the tent, and then he comes help me. Like he actually helps me put up the tent, and then just leaves. Um, and then the dog again. It's like it's like a weird like DM. You know, you're like <laughs> the dungeon master that's running your stories. Is like you have like a really high like luck stat or something. It's like. <laughs> I don't know how to set up this thing, and you just roll a twenty, and it's like, oh, yep, no, they show up. Yeah, so many That's- occasions, you know, like when you're going out on a barbecue, and like you know, put the meat on the skewers, and now you put the, the, <laughs> the fumes together. You start to put the call, like, okay, so how am I supposed to turn this on? And then, like, a car like screeches, stops, and like. You guys, <laughs> <the fire. laughs> you sit with a bunch of friends with a deck of cards, and you're like, "What shall we play?" And a random stranger just shows up, like, "Oh, you playing cards?" <laughs> like, yeah, like, uh, yeah. They're like, "Oh, I know a good game." It's like, "Okay, have have I guess have a seat, join us." <laughs> Problem solved, and it's but it's always it's everything. Beautiful. I've never. I, it's just somebody shows up who happens to be exactly good at the one thing you need, no matter how specific. It's it's wild. Just always somebody appears. <laughs> That's incredible. I'm just sitting here, just being like, I'm really hungry. I wish I was in the air world, so I could just think, I want some ice cream, and just somebody would come through the window and be like, You want some ice cream? I have some ice cream. So so, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be great. Yeah, because it's not too long anymore. I have to start fasting again soon. Oh, I'm, I'm breaking my fast in about an hour and a half. So you want ice cream for suhoor? Oh man! I, I just want ice cream. The weather has been the weather has been really nice in the Netherlands. Oh, like, okay. It's been so, a little foggy, but it's been 14, 15 degrees Celsius. I was about which to is, say, yeah, really nice. That means it's like twelve. <laughs> right. <laughs> All I've learned about weather is if I want to know if it's going to rain, I just should just check if Fauzi's getting in his car because there's no way. <laughs> there's no way you lose that fear ever again. Exactly. I love it. If you see me driving, then it's gonna be a sunny day. <laughs> it's gonna be a good day. Yeah, good. I think we're gonna wrap it up with that. Do you have a photo of that car, Fauzi? Uh, but plenty. <laughs> plenty. Oh, really? I really, I really wanna, I really wanna see it. I just wanna. I want to have that photo so I can print it on a birthday cake or something. <laughs> You'll be disappointed with just a Volkswagen, but yes, I'll, I'll send you some photos. <laughs> it's like this, the, the stereotype, like, beat-down car is kind of what I'm hoping for. So I'm... <laughs> it, it wasn't beat-down when I got it, but over the years. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all, all the uncles that, like, when, like, oh, you just hit it here, and it'll start working together. And it just, like, like smack your it car. And then it's like, oh, it, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work that's weird let me hit on the other side of the car and it's like no 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 
It's good. It's good. Shukran, shukran. All the friendly advice I got over the years really helped the car get to its wrecked state. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, that was it for today. We will be back more suhoor bites every day of Ramadan. I think that was it. Anything? Anything you you two still? Have? I just wanted to mention how much I love the Ramadan intro to our podcast, and I'm going to miss it when Ramadan's over. Oh, but that, me that's, too. That's it. That's my note. <laughs> Something if, um, to look forward to if, for next Ramadan. Yes, exactly. Uh, Malik, Malik Subaila, who did uh, both the normal intro and the Ramadan intro and outro, um, did a suhoor bite uh, at the start of this week uh, on um, on um, the suhoor of Monday. So if you want to still go check that out and check out the other music Malik makes, go check out that uh, suhoor bite. Uh, let us know what you think. Let us know what, you, uh, what you're enjoying. And uh, we'll be back next week. Okay, salam. 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 That was the Habibis podcast for this week. I was Rami Ismail, your host for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at T-H-A underscore Rami. My fellow Habibis were Osama Dorias, who you can find on Twitter at Osama Dorias. And Fauzi Mesmar, who you can find on Twitter at Fauzi Mesmar. Send us your questions, stories, and suggestions via info at thehabibis.com. The intro and outro music was provided by Malik Zubaila. And the logo was provided by Ibrahim Hamdi. The Habibis is a weekly podcast about three game developers drinking good Arab tea. With new episodes launching every Friday, inshallah. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting service or check out thehabibis.com for more information. Thank you for listening and salam.